Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Tea Time with Rosario with my special guest, Reverendus from Cat Talk. What is up, everyone? It's your friendly neighborhood, Rev. So today for this podcast, we're going to be talking about both him and Mai's discernment of life, how getting older, and we're just going to start talking. Yeah, this, this, this will be fun. I'm excited. This is going to be great. First episode. I know. It's a, it's a big accomplishment. Like, most of these ideas like never get past the, oh, I'm just a passing thought stage. So we're, you're already like doing better than like half of the SoundCloud rappers. So That's true. The only reason I started this podcast because I'm bored in quarantine like the majority of everyone else. So I'm like, you know what? Why not? And do it with some pretty based people from everyone I've met on Cat Talk. And we're going to get some interesting stories and just get to know each other a lot better. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to get extremely interesting real quick. Oh, yeah. It's going to get emotional. It's going to (laughs) be funny. It's just it's going to be great. Oh well, no! I'm ready to like freaking cry on on again. Oh yeah, just all that tea being spilled. Indeed. So, Rev, tell us about your discernment. Tell us what's going on in life. What's okay. Happening? Um. Well, I I started discerning the the, the priesthood. Uh about one and a half two years ago um it, it started off not like how other discernment stories start you know i didn't have like jesus come speak to me in a dream i didn't have the virgin mary coming down from the heavens telling me to be a priest uh mine started off as uh just looking one day at pope francis um on like a youtube video and I'm like, you know what? I can do that guy's job a lot better. <laughs> and that's where it started. So at first, I'm like, I want to be the Pope. I want to be the Pope. I um, care for, like, the office of deacon. I don't care for the, the just some basic little priesthood. I am here for the bishopric. I'm here for the cardinalship. And finally, I'm here for the title of Bishop of Rome because these are the ambitions um and so that's how it starts and i'm like super like into this and at this point this is where i start to get deeper into my faith because um even though i was born into the faith i fell away from it for a few years uh it's a mixture of poor catechesis and um just hanging out with the wrong crowd and, and you know that's the majority of especially people our age in this time frame it's being taught poorly by the priests and bishops and just hanging around the wrong people because you're not taught hey if you hang around a a specific group of people you're going to develop those personality traits and that 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 is that is spot on see my getting off on a tangent like my my problem with the church is the lack of of decent catechesis happening oh, uh, on, on the diocesan level like 
the the more traditional orders have their stuff in check they're they're do you're they're using their own catechisms they're using their own methods to teach the children and uh adults that get uh initiated uh using the old form of the mass whereas the the diocesan people are just kind of left at the mercy of of poor poor formation um so and exactly you know, they're, they're only taught to a certain level and then they're just be like okay here's like like the baltimore catechism for like first and like second graders and then they're like well this is really all you need to know and then you can just do your own research it's like even us as like young adults we need that spe not specifically supervision but we need that extra information we need that extra education as we get older and it needs to be more intense so we can grow and learn in our faith oh yeah no definitely 100 percent um and uh, I have a little Baltimore catechism from uh, my time under the, the CDs. Uh, and in that Baltimore catechism, it says, like, even though this is designed for children, uh, this is really uh, a tool for people of all ages because uh, it takes a lifetime to learn and to practice the faith, not just two, two years, three years, or even just one year of, of going to church school as uh, the kids uh over here like to call it uh so yeah no that's that's my little problem with how the church is running things they're just not using good programs right now and it's it's hurting the faith um uh well i, sh I shouldn't say hurting the faith i should I'm, i should say hurting the people because especially in the u.s where they're like 30 percent or like 70 percent of catholics do not actually believe that jesus christ is present in the bread or the wine at mass and that's saddening because that is at the core the base belief of the faith if you don't if you're not going to believe in anything else at the very least believe that jesus christ is present in that bread and wine exactly so because like if you don't believe in the true presence then you're not going to believe the rest of the doctrine and the dogma of the church because if you don't have that core foundation then you're not going to believe anything else exactly so if you Which don't is... have that then you're not going to have anything else and unfortunately like nowadays like you said in the church people just aren't taught hey this is what it is not well it's up to your own interpretation because then that's mm. when people get misguided and misled and then they usually fall away from the church because they don't have that proper education yeah 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 uh that's that's exactly that's spot on um and I think part of that stems from the fear of the instructors. Uh, they're afraid that if they tell them, no, you're not allowed to interpret this however you feel like it. You are to believe it how the church has taught it. Then they, they're, they're afraid that they might get ostracized or that they might be labeled uh, closed-minded or bigoted or whatever. And that's entirely just stupid. And it, like, mystifies me that... Um, there are people out there that just consider themselves Catholic, but don't take the faith seriously. Um, a lot so. of the problems is there are so many societal issues that have infiltrated the church that people think, oh, well, this is a societal issue. So it should be a church issue as well. And so you get society's point of view on the church mixed with the actual church's view of the church. And it just makes it this huge mess. And then people choose sides and it's just a horrible outcome and yeah yeah it, it truly is but 
at the same time, it's only a natural outcome. Um, uh, I, I see too. I see that humans tend to be rather uh, oriented or natured towards uh, categories and to groups. Uh, it's it's just human nature to be uh, to have to want to belong in in a group, and so uh, polarized sides and different groups and different factions are always going to be a natural outcome. Um, in the world, whether there is good catechesis or not, but at the very least, what we can do is, if there is good catechesis, get more people on the correct side. Exactly, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, that's my little tangent on uh, falling away from the from the church for a while, and um, because of the this uh, presumed call to the priesthood, I started to take the faith a lot more seriously. Um, I used to hate going to Mass. I, I found it to be rather boring. Um, in fact, I remember one time just having an attitude at Mass and my and my mom asking me, like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't want to be here. And she's like, well, like, if you don't want to, like, then leave, like, whatever. And I just sat there because I'm like, I was just being a, a little, a little salty child and looking back at it cringe at the fact that I did not want to go to the greatest event that happens on earth and um, and so uh, that was the the springboard to bringing me into the faith and it was also the springboard to uh, starting to take the uh, the priesthood more seriously um, it is at this point this is 2018 so the summer of shame hits um, as a uh, freaking Michael Voris likes to uh, coin it and term it uh, when uh, former Cardinal uh, Theodore McCarrick is exposed for having uh, sexually abused and assaulted boys and seminarians back in the 80s and I that hit really hard that like that hit me really hard it, it made me uh, over uh, it made me really realize the beauty of the priesthood and how it's a privilege and not a right that a man has by sole virtue of being a man. Um, and I remember that year that very hard for me because uh, every every weekend I and to and by extension every day, I would be thinking about whether or not I I'm called to the priesthood or whether or not I should uh, be a priest uh, because, of, of of sins that I had committed in my past that I felt dirty for committing, and 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 to an extent still do, um, even though I've gone to confession for it. But um, apart from that, I remember I would uh, like almost every week without fail I would um, break down. I I would break down, and I would I would I would just plead and beg and. Um, talk with god and i and i would ask him uh, like please let me be a priest this is what i want to do this is how i want to serve you and that reigns true even till today i sometimes when everything gets hard and it gets to be too much i'll i'll uh, take a moment and i'll i'll sit there and i'll be like god i don't want to do anything else I don't want to marry. I have no intention of doing that. I don't want to go into a religious order and just be a lay brother. I have no intention of doing that. I have no desire of doing that. Uh, 
And I certainly do not have any intention of living out the rest of my life as a single lay person. Uh, and so I, uh, I want to do only one thing, and that thing is, is to serve you as a priest. And I, I recognize that that's a terrible mentality to have. Uh, yeah, but even still, I, I, it's not good to lie to God, and it's not good to hide things from God. And I would be lying if I was like, oh, yeah, like, it's fine or whatever. Like, at the end of the day, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to devote my life to him. But also, very much so, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm ready to do whatever God wants me to do because that's how I'm getting into heaven, not by, not how, I'm not getting into heaven how I want to get in. I'm going to get in how he wants me to get in. Exactly. And so, and, and so, like with the priests' vocations, I've talked to many um, like priests and men discerning the priesthood, like you and a few other members of Cat Talk, and they've mentioned they're like, I have this drive, I have this passion to be a priest, and I can like taste it, you know. But it's so scary with everything going on in my own personal fears and the way that the church is going and the way that like society portrays the Catholic Church. Like it's honestly so scary, especially now back then like let's just say in like the 50s you know like especially now with social media and things being over dramatized by you know public figures and like church figures you know it's especially harder now for us to truly vocalize you know what the church actually says and what it actually means rather than people's own impression of what it is oh yeah no absolutely like take for example uh father simon i believe that's his name uh he he quoted verbatim what the church teaching on, on homosexuality is. And at, at towards the end of his video, uh, I, I believe it was a TikTok, he says that we are still called to love them when we're not supposed to discriminate against them. We're not supposed to treat them as, as the other, as this alien race or, or whatever. And the response that he got from that was backlash. People were, were posting gay porn in response to him. And they were just con like insulting him, attacking him, berating him. And honestly, right now in this in this era, it is extremely hard and it is extremely difficult for a priest. And honestly, I can understand why people would just not want to go into that profession, into that vocation, into that way of life. Oh, for, absolutely. Because it's going to be hard, especially if you're a good priest. Uh, good priests get silenced. Good priests are, 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 are cast aside, not just from, from the laity, from normal everyday people, but also from their own superiors. I and... know. It's, the priests, they speak the truth and they're doing what they're supposed to, whether it's vocalizing the truth in a homily or moving the tabernacle from the side of the church to where it's supposed to be. And the bishops you know, have a fit and they either move the priests or laicize them for no reason because they're doing what they're supposed to do. All the while you have terrible priests that are abusing minors uh, and not just minors, mind you, like abusing other like men in their 20s um, and 30s going into seminary and also, you know, like uh, funneling money uh, just doing all sorts of illegal activity, but those are the ones that are rewarded. And that is absolutely crazy to me. 
Yeah. And then us as a congregation, you know, as a community of Catholics, we're saying, listen, talking to people, we're like, listen, this is what's happening, you know, or even to other Catholics. It's like, this is what's happening. This is what's actually going on. Like you guys need to understand this is what it is. And it's usually the Catholics that don't want to believe it. Like you see a secular, the secular community, they see what's going on for actually what it is. Like you said, the bishops like fondling money, doing this, doing that, all these horrible, horrible things. But it's usually the other Catholics. They're like, no, that's not true. That's rumors. It's like, sis, look it up online. Do your research. There are many different websites that link it to the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Uh, while you were talking about this, like a, a thought came to mind. We're going to get silenced by the USCCB. They're going to come for us. <laughs> this is the one and only episode of this podcast because we're going to be canceled. Oh, yeah. The USCCB is going to come and cancel us. They're going to like uh, issue takedown orders. They're going to pub- uh, publicly censure us. They're going to remember canon law exists for a moment. The FBI knocks on our doors. It's like, listen, we heard your podcast and we're going to take you to Area 51 because you guys be silenced. Yeah, they're going to do smear campaigns <laughs> against us like they did to Michael Voris. Oh, yes. But I mean, we we must be doing something right if we're on the same smear campaign as Michael Voris. Oh, yeah, definitely. Michael Voris can do no wrong. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, so I so, yeah, going back to um, my breakdowns during uh, the summer of 2018, um, I, I, I start to lose hope at one point in the vocation uh it had gotten to point where i i i just felt like i couldn't do it like my sins and the way that i had lived my life prior to my reversion to the faith were so horrible and so shameful and so dirty and so disgusting that i could never be a priest and so i i decided to discern out and that lasted about like a day, like a week at most. <laughs> and I was right back in the discerning. I'm like, no, I, I still want to be a priest. Uh, there, there is just something there. There's something that uh, I am like attracted to that I have a desire for that I have a passion for. And that would continue on. Um, there were I, I ended up discerning out a total of five times so far. And every single time I keep coming back. Um, and there are days where I'm like, yeah, no, I can totally do this. Like, obviously, God is calling me. And then there are other days of like, no, it, I shouldn't do it. I should not. I should not be a priest. I cannot be a priest uh, because I feel I'm going to put my soul at risk. But most importantly, I'm going to put the souls of the faithful at risk. Uh, because for some reason, I got it into my head that. I had some obscure impediment uh, or like some impediment that, uh, that I thought was an impediment and uh, going into the canon laws or whatever, I'm like, well, I can't be ordained validly. It would not be a, a valid, um, a, a valid ordination and uh, that. And it, since it wouldn't be a valid ordination, I wouldn't have orders and anyone who came to me for for the sacraments would not be able would not be receiving valid sacraments and i could very well be leading souls to hell and that scared me because that's i don't want to do that i don't want to lead souls to hell and uh, i certainly i don't want to learn i don't want to lead myself 
to hell, and I certainly don't want to lead souls to hell uh, that are entrusted to me. And so that that scared me, and that kind of got me to like distance myself from the priesthood. And um, I'm like, I don't I don't think I can be one. And, and that hit hard, uh, especially during quarantine. That hit that hit hard. Um, but I'm like slowly recovering from that. I, I, I have, I've rechecked cannons and nothing there matches to what I thought was an impediment. Maybe, maybe the closest thing would be schism, but, um, I'm sure I haven't schismed or maybe, I don't know. I guess it would be up to the bishop to decide whether I schismed or not. But, um, yeah. Uh, but I think like, especially, like you and like other people discerning, you know, like the priesthood, um, like the monastic life, married life, even like, if you have that calling and if you have, you know, that passion from God, like the devil is going to especially put, you know, barriers and he's especially going to put fear in your heart because he knows you're going to succeed and he knows you're going to do God's work and you're going to, you know, do so many amazing things. And he obviously does not want that to happen. Mm -hmm. So he's going to make you fearful and he's going to make you doubt the vocation. And unfortunately, a lot of people think, oh, I want to do this, but I have this fear because of this, 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 and this. So I'm just going to discern out and then just like do something else. But in turn, you know, that's exactly what God wanted you to do. He wanted you to have that vocation of the priesthood, monastic life. But then the devil got a hold of you and he put that fear in your heart. Yeah. Which I think which a lot of people struggle with, you know? Oh, yeah. No, like I have I, I have I, I have friends that are discerning the priesthood. And one of their fears is the fear of hell, because if you are a priest, you are more at risk of entering hell than if you were a layperson because of the fact that you are a priest and you are now held to a higher standard and a more harsh judgment mm -hmm. because it's not specifically you taking care of your own soul you're taking care of your soul and your you know your community your congregation exactly. you're taking care of one of them specifically exactly so you know that's a fear i have too but um you know i the passage from i forget which gospel uh, gospel it is I, I think it's luke or it might be john or, or matthew um and jesus says whoever uh wishes to save his life will shall lose it and whoever loses for my sake shall surely find it and i take it to apply to those of us who are discerning the priesthood who have that fear of oh i might be damning myself if i do this or oh i may or whatever but decide to still trust in god's mercy and just take that leap of faith and uh go and devote their lives to christ um but at the same time as much as that inspires me the other pa another passage passage that gives me fear and crippling anxiety is the passage from the sermon on the mount where uh jesus says that not everyone who says to him lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven uh, for some reason, I, I take that to apply to me, even though I can't think of a legitimate reason as to why that would apply to me. Uh, only just the fear of, oh, I became a priest, even though God didn't want me to, and now I'm going to hell because I became a priest. 
And I mean, that's a valid fear to have, like not doing God's will and then doing what you think, you know, it's a valid fear, but that's when you need to also, which a lot of people don't do fully trust in God and being like, God, this is what I think, you know, you want me to do. Please give me a sign. Please let me know and be comfortable with this Mm -hmm. so I can truly know and truly do your will as a servant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've director about this numerous times um i guess that might it just might not be a satisfying answer for me but he says that that that's not how that works god is not gonna like make you he's not gonna be like pick and if you pick wrong you're gonna go to hell uh god works with us in whatever vocation we end up picking um even if if it wasn't what god had in mind he will still make sure that we have the graces needed to carry out that. Um, oh, exactly. Like I went to a camp in 2018 mm-hmm. and I went to an all girls camp. It was held by nuns. It was honestly like one of the best like spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life. Unfortunately, I'm too old to go now, but if I could go back, I would do it in a heartbeat. But mother Theodora was talking and she was talking about vocations and she was saying, some people god only gives them one vocation and they know from like the moment they're born hey i'm supposed to be a priest or hey i'm supposed to be married or hey i'm supposed to you know live out like the monastic life but sometimes god will give us like two vocations and he's just like whichever you pick i will do the best i will make it work for you the best way possible like like if someone is discerning like the priesthood or marriage like you could have the call to those two vocations and God will, will is like, here, you have the free will. I gave you the free will to do this. So whatever you pick, I will make it, you know, the best for you and this situation. Yeah. And, you know, I've also, I haven't just heard that from my vocations director, but I've also heard it from a different priest. Um, I forget his name. Um uh, but he was giving a homily and he had uh, posted it on YouTube and he said that the God isn't smiting you for picking a wrong vocation. There, uh, there isn't, in a way, there isn't a wrong vocation. As long as you do the will of God, uh, God will, will grace you in whatever you end up picking in this life. Um, obviously, like, excluding sin. So, if I... Account of human stupidity, and even though we're praying about a vocation or whatever it is, you know, we still take, you know, God still obviously takes in the fact of we are human and we are, we do make mistakes and we do like interpret, you know, things wrong. And so he takes that into an account and he's like, hey, these people are very stupid, but I'm still going to make this situation work. Exactly. So, (laughs) you know, there's always that. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe I am called to marriage and I went with the priesthood. Am I going to burn in hell because I picked the priesthood? Hopefully not. Um, and will God still grace me with the graces necessary? Of course he will. And vice versa. Because um, you're doing it for noble causes. Like, even hmm. if you aren't called to the priesthood, you're still doing it for a very noble cause. It's not like you're doing it to like, hey, just because like, priesthood looks cool i'm just gonna do that because i can it's like Mm -hmm. you're still doing it for a very valid noble cause yeah yeah so i i did like a mental assessment 
of like why I wanted to get into the priesthood. Like what exactly what was the incentive, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing it for, for fancy clothes or whatever, because especially with today's bishops who favor quote unquote humility, uh, which is a very vague word in, in today's society. Um, uh, also, they also tend to interpret humility as ugliness, but we That's- can talk about that at a later date. Um <laughs> And so I'm not doing it for the clothes. I'm not doing it for the ranks or titles. Um, I'm not doing it for the pay. Uh, school teachers make more than Catholic priests. So, um, you know, and, and teachers don't make don't exactly make the best salaries. Um, I'm not doing it for fame or, or, or for prestige. If anything, if I do become a priest, God, God willing, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be like the most hated priest in the diocese. Um, and I'm not, I'm not doing it as a career. Like this isn't, I'm not going in with the mentality of, oh, this is just another job where I need to uh, keep seeking the next promotion until I finally make it on top. That's not the mentality I'm going for. Um, I, I determined that if I, truly really wanted those things i could find them other place in other places exactly um and in those places it wouldn't be as hard to uh it wouldn't be as hard to attain those by other means and my life would actually even be a lot easier than by going the 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 route of the priesthood um so the, the reasons why i want to be a priest is First and foremost, I want to celebrate the Mass. Um, I, I, I talked to a priest once, even though he's a CD, uh, uh, he, he was right about this. Like, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Um, like, he, he said, he asked me, uh, why do you want to be a priest? And, of course, I gave, like, all my reasons, but he's like, there is a, a, a correct answer for this. And he's all like, if you... Are, are if you are thinking about the priesthood and if you truly want to be a priest then the absolute primary reason you should want to become a priest is to offer the sacrifice of the mass everything else is just an addition everything else is just a, an add-on a a little extra thing you get to do exactly. uh, the, the first and foremost function of a priest is to offer sacrifice and it has been that way since the days of abraham like that is the job of a priest mm-hmm. so um so i took that to heart and i thought about it and i'm like well do i really want to so- uh, offer the sacrifice of the mass and the answer is yes like uh, that's what i want to do um there have been times where i have been in prayer or i have been in my little prayer room and i've wanted I've had this, I've had an urge to just celebrate a mass, celebrate this ritual in which Jesus Christ is offered on our behalf to the Father. And, you know, it's frustrating because I can't do that, at least not yet. Yeah. It's like, you know, like from what it sounds, it sounds like a legitimate, like, calling because if someone wasn't truly you know discerning the priesthood and like if it wasn't meant to be for them like they wouldn't just have that like 
that passion, that urge to just, I just want to say a mass. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you do, you know, it shows that you actually have this calling. Mm. Yeah. And apart from that, like, I call it this like attraction, this thing, this, uh, this little feeling that needs to be satisfied and no other like paths seem to be able to satisfy that. Um, so like marriage, like when I've considered it, it doesn't fill that. It doesn't satisfy that thing, that little spark that's there. Neither does the, the, the lay single life or even the lay religious life, the lay religious life comes kind of close because it's like that it's that little that little spark wants me to devote my life completely to christ to completely to the church and you can kind of do that with being a a a single not a single layman um a lay brother in, in a religious order but there's something extra there's something more that's there that only the the priesthood can satisfy oh yeah absolutely like a few years ago i was actually discerning like I felt like I had the call to like the monastic life mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I was scared, obviously like that's such a, you know, drastic calling. And I'm just like, is this really like what God wants me to do? And I was really like struggling with that. And then I went to camp and it was honestly a spiritual battle, like weeks before I went mm-hmm. because I felt like this, this almost hatred to going days before and I almost talked to like to my mom and I'm just like I do not want to go I almost did that and I'm just like no this is fear for whatever reason something you know very spiritual and something very amazing and God's going to talk to me in some way Mm -hmm. and I need to hear this but you know the devil's putting this fear into my heart and so I went and the first day I got there, I was petrified. I'm just like, if God calls me to be a nun, I am going to be so angry. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to be so mad. This is, I'm not going to be happy. But then the days went on and it was a four day camp and we got there on like a Thursday and then we left Sunday. Um, Saturday night is confession. Mm-hmm. And that was the extreme confession I have ever been to because you go into the chapel and they had this like little like low standing table with like the beautiful like silk like tablecloth and then they have the icon of Jesus and I cannot for the life of me remember what this icon is called but it's the one side of Jesus's face it's like very intense looking and then the other side is like a lot softer oh yeah yeah yeah. Yes, yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So it was that icon, and I'm sitting there, and I just break down. All the girls are crying. I told the girls before, I'm like, I don't cry easy. Like, I doubt I'm gonna cry. And my friend Bella, she's just like, You're going to cry. She goes, You you say this now. She goes, Give it ten minutes. I don't even think it was ten minutes, and I was already bawling my eyes out. And it was just such like this beautiful moment of I honestly like felt God and. I was struggling, you know, a lot with like family issues and so many different things. And I was having trouble forgiving myself for things that I'd done and, you know, whatever. And he says, you have to, and I heard this and I asked God, I'm just like, I cannot be forgiven for this. Like, why would you forgive me for this? And I physically heard him say, you have to love yourself before you love anybody else. And so I took that with me. 
And I'm just like, I need to forgive myself. And, you know, I went to confession. It was great. I cried more. And then the night was over and whatever. But <laughs> with the um, discerning the, the monastic life, the day Mother Theodora was talking, and that's going back to like the two vocations. And she's saying, you can have two vocations. And I immediately thought, okay, married life and like the monastic life. And I'm just like, well, maybe, you know, this is God's way of telling me, you know, you could pick either one and I'll have it be a good decision for you and I'll make it work out. But then the last day when I was about to leave, it was the weirdest thing. That fire, I guess you'd say, of me discerning the monastic life was completely gone. Mm -hmm. And I've not felt it since. And it's the weirdest thing. So I don't know if that was just something he wanted me to experience to put more trust in him whether it was a way for me to like just to have that and say yeah I discerned it and it wasn't for me I don't know but I'm glad I went because now I can fully say you know the monastic as of right now that may change but the monastic life isn't for me mm -hmm. and you know um Honestly, I wish, like, I could have had, like, one of those experiences. I don't think I've ever just, like, cried without, like, forcing myself to in a way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just, like, uh, what's it called? It's, like, I kind of wish I had it. Uh, I kind of wish I had it because, like, then, like, maybe that would confirm that, you know, maybe I am called, maybe I'm not. And... So like whenever I I hear stories like this, I'm like, yeah, no, they're like they they have they have like a legitimate calling. It makes me want to like doubt on mine a little bit, and you know, it's just kind of whatever. Yeah, but I mean, people's obviously people's experiences with their vocations are so different. So you may find that in a very different setting than the way I, you know, felt mine. So mine was at a you know a girl's camp held by nuns, yours may be something, you know, completely different, but still has the same spiritual effect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, uh, you know, they, they say that God calls people to vocations in different ways. He doesn't have a set template. Oh, exactly. So I'd like to believe that he's going with the, um, unorthodox methods of calling me you never know that's honestly a good option you know he's just like he rev seen all these different people doing the same you know roughly discerning the same way but for you i'm gonna have it be completely different that way you can put more trust in me and the plan i have for you exactly he's all like you know what people are like crying before me in the blessed sacrament i'm like speaking to them audibly they can hear me, I uh, uh, and but for you, you think you could do Papa Frank's job better? It's like Gnosis, like you're doing this. This is how like yours is gonna start. Theirs gets like the cool like come to Jesus stuff. You get I can do this guy's job better. But I mean that's also a very, I don't know like how to word it exactly, but it's a very not noble well yeah it is it's a very noble thing to like see someone doing a job and not doing it like out of pride but like you see these problems happening and you're just like 
I can do better because I have the equipment and I have the knowledge and I have this and I have that. So I can see him doing his job and think I can do it better for the majority and the Catholic church to bring it back to, you know, the majesty that it was. Exactly. And, you know, one of like the ways that I like to believe that I am called is they say that a vocation is God's way of getting you towards the path of sanctity. Uh, this is how God is going to make you a saint. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's that's the main goal here. The main goal isn't to like be able to baptize 50 people for the name of Jesus. The goal here is to become a saint. Exactly. Um, and so this vocation has led me onto a path of sanctity. I, uh, like, like I said earlier, uh, uh, before, uh, when I was just, you know, Catholic in name only, I was not exactly living the best life. It wasn't exactly the most Christian life either. And, you know, as soon as this vocation hits, I'm like, I turn into this child of Jesus. And, um, it's honestly like the best thing that could have ever happened. I, I, whenever I like contemplate it, I, I come to the conclusion that had Jesus had the father, had the Holy spirit not sent me this vocation, this idea of a priestly vocation, I would still be right where I was two, three years ago. Oh yeah. And, um, I would have certainly had, and if I had continued on that path and had I died, I would certainly be burning in the flames of hell right now. Like not over exaggerating at all. And that's such a scary thing when you realize like, like when you're in the moment of whatever it is, you're just like, yeah, I kind of feel guilty about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then you just keep going and going and going with like whatever it is. And then you start to get numb to the sin that you're doing. Oh yeah. That's and my favorite part. Whenever, you know, you start sinning and you start committing a specific sin so often that it's like, I don't even feel guilty about this anymore. That's the most terrifying thing is like you said, you keep committing this sin and then you don't feel anything. That is the most like gut wrenching feeling you will ever feel in your life. It's yeah. like you do whatever it is. And then you're like, I used to feel guilty about this and now I don't. And this scares me. Exactly. And you know, uh, there have been like times even as recent as like this year where I was like doing certain sins and I'm like, I'm not, I don't even feel guilty about this, which made me feel even worse because I'm like, I want to feel guilty about this Lord, but I just can't, I'm numb to it. And like, I felt like my confessions were invalid because I, I didn't feel as guilty as I, sh as I thought I should be, but like, I was truly sorry for them. I just didn't feel that guilt anymore. Yeah. But as long as like you make a proper confession, like you know it's wrong and you feel that it's seriously wrong and you make a good confession and you do all those things, you're still forgiven. It's just going back to almost what happened to me. It's like you have to basically you have to forgive yourself and you have to love yourself, you know, because if you can't forgive yourself for these problems, it's hard for you to accept that someone else can forgive you. Mm hmm. So it's and like God still forgave, you know, forgave us for the things that we've done. And 
we know that and we trust in God that that happened, but it's still so hard to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. That that's the that's the absolute hardest thing. Like, how do you go about forgiving yourself when you feel like you have committed the worst sin you can? And regardless of whether God has forgiven you for it or not, like how do how do you go about forgiving yourself? And that's something that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Absolutely. So. It's just like, like you said, like you just have to forgive yourself. And I think that's definitely when like trusting in God definitely comes into play. It's like, I like, you need to help me. Like, I know you've forgiven me and I have that, you know, certainty and I have that faith because I went to confession and I made a proper confession and everything happened. And like, I feel forgiven from you, but I don't feel forgiven from myself. Yeah. And I think especially like our lady, that's when she comes in because she helps us realize, you know, she, she gives us this like loving protection almost like I have very special devotion to our lady of Guadalupe. And Mm. I always say this prayer whenever like I'm stressed or like whatever it is, it's like, please wrap your tilma or yeah, please wrap like your mantle, like around me. Cause I can't feel the love. Like I need, I need that motherly hug from you. Like I, I need mm. this help. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've, I've felt that. Um, especially since like, as soon as I started to like discern this vocation, I, I took, I embraced our lady and I took her on as, as, not only my my patroness but like my, my mother and i there i've like prayed to her and i've like asked for her intercession and i've like promised her like this uh like this this and this and like one uh one of the things that like i i, I asked and like i promised her was that if she was able to intercede for me and and uh get me to become a priest for her son then i would devote my priesthood in her honor uh as well as obviously uh to glorify christ by extension because the way you honor mary is by is by serving christ well so exactly. and vice versa if you honor mary well you honor christ well um because you know uh the fourth commandment honor your father and your mother god rejoices and is very happy when we honor our parents Mm -hmm. so and i think with any whether just being a good catholic in general whether you're discerning a specific vocation or not i think having a devotion to our lady helps so much in helping us like serve the lord Mm -hmm. because she gives us she basically leads us by the hand if we let, oh, yeah. if we let her, that's the thing is we, us, like I said, stupid humans, we have to like put all that trust in her and be like, I can't do this by myself. And I am completely willing to let you help me. Mm-hmm. Cause like, she's standing there waiting for us, which is like the most loving thing you could feel is like, no matter how much we stray away or we do these horrible things or whatever. She's still standing there 
waiting for us to come to her. Yeah. So she can help us. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, I, I make this, like, sometimes I'll be like, hey, Mother Mary, like, come and grab me by the ear if you need me. Like, if you need to, come and grab me, like, uh, from the ear in true Jewish mother's uh, fashion. Leave me by the ear, Mary. I need your help. I need you right now. Like, lead me to Jesus. Even if you have to drag me by the ear, lead me to Jesus. It's like that um, that meme, mom, come get me. I'm scared. Exactly. It's honestly like that. Mom, come get me. I am scared. I need you. Absolutely. Like, 100% spot on. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that brings us up into like the present day, like discerning wise. I'm like, I'm still discerning. Um, and in fact, like, because I have taken the vocation of the priesthood so seriously, it's I have like centered my life around it in a sense, like everything I do, I do it for the priesthood because I want to be a priest to serve Christ. So by extension, everything I do is for Christ. Um, so, and that helped me a lot, especially like getting through school uh, because, you know, I, I was one of those kids that are like, oh, we don't need this. Like school doesn't teach us anything useful, like teach us taxes or whatever. And, <laughs> and like, you know, that incentive, that goal of being a priest for Christ is what got me to like finish my high school year, my senior year, so that I could go on to college and eventually go on to the seminary. Because, you know, in the United States, the bishops like to be special and have everybody uh, get a, a bachelor's degree before they're allowed to go into the seminary. Oh, yeah. Unless you go to college seminary. But, you know, my vocations director is special and he doesn't want me to go to college seminary. So he's probably he, he, he's probably right, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, his reasoning for why I would not be good for college seminary is because, like, I guess, like, I'm too sheltered. And if I went to college seminary, it would just become an echo chamber where yeah. I would be exposed to people have like that have different beliefs from mine, which in, in hindsight, it makes sense because, you know, as a priest, you're called not just to serve uh, the people that are already on your side, but also you're, you're called to lend a hand, extend uh, and reach out to those who who may not be part of our faith, who may not share in the same traditions and and beliefs that we do um you know uh the commandment to baptize all nations is still a commandment that needs to be fulfilled and um and so priests need to have that exposure because they will be challenged and if they don't have that exposure early on in their formation then i feel like they they would not uh succeed in their goal of being a priest a good priest i should say yeah. And especially like you don't need to be accepting of different ideas. You just need to be aware of them. So you know how to handle them in the future. Yeah. Or, you know, also not embracing them in the sense of like, oh, like believing in them and like taking them to be part of your own, but also embracing them in the uh, in, in the in the way that um, you like take that idea. And you do a St. Thomas Aquinas and you dissect it, you rip it apart and you formulate arguments and uh, as to why that ideology is flawed. 
and you do it in a way that is charitable because at the end of the day i don't care and nobody cares if you are speaking the truth if you are being a dick about it exactly so you know uh and a lot of it nowadays is like no one wants to offend anybody oh yeah that's that's the thing like nobody wants to offend anybody because that is the worst thing you can do offend uh if like jesus was alive today he would be he would honestly be like labeled a bigot oh yeah and i think that's one of the main reasons why the church is in the shape that she's in unfortunately is because there were so many priests and bishops and everyone else they knew it was wrong but they didn't want to offend anybody and this is this is where we are now because nobody wanted to stand up for what was truly right and truly Mm -hmm. towards the catholic church and her truths see like i argue that like it's it wasn't just because they didn't want to offend anybody it's because they they were so poorly trained in how to be able to articulate their positions in a charitable manner so as to avoid the scandal of offense but still communicate the authentic truth yes and a lot of that just stems down to not only formation but also a a the uh beginning of their their uh, of manhood and the attributes attributed to manhood starting to come crashing down um like stuff that we associate with manhood like like courage uh fortitude all this stuff is starting to be seen as uh is starting to be is starting to show as lacking it's starting it's starting to lack especially and it reaches the height the height of its lackingness uh by the 60s by the sexual revolution Mm-hmm. especially the feminist movement as well like the the main thing of the feminist movement is demasculating men and not having them have those strong traits as they normally would exactly and that's a know, whole nother rant i'm gonna make a podcast about is and the catholic church like yes key time with rosario the problem with manhood and the catholic church yes Get all the feminists, like, make it a clickbait title. Make Get all the feminists to, like, start subscribing because they think you're one of them. And then they realize that, like, oh, no, she's a bigot because she doesn't want men's pages. Listen, that's a goal. If I am labeled a bigot by the feminists, I will be thriving. I will be ready to go. The goal is to end up on, on the same list church militants on. Listen, the way this... This first episode's going by ten. We'll be there. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, just in case your excellences, your eminences, if you're listening, this is what the Catholic youth of today think. We don't want tambourine masses. We don't want hair no. masses. We don't want gay priests who are afraid to speak the truth. We don't want straight priests who are afraid to speak the truth. We want men, real, authentic men, that have the balls to speak the truth and yet the grace nuance and sophistication to be able to do it in a way that is not only intellectual but also charitable okay uh so take notes uh because this this is this is what 
our 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 current Catholic generation wants. We don't want uh freaking the Novus Ordo rendition of Glory to God. We don't we don't want that. No. We cringe at that. We want that good old fashioned eighteen syllable Gloria only played during Christmas time. Okay. I look forward to that every year. So these based, you know what? This this podcast is just going to be a collection of based young Catholic adults telling the tea, spilling the tea of what we want. And this is what's going to happen. This new generation is coming forward. And we're like, this is how it's supposed to be. And this is how we're going to do it. Whether you boomers like it or not, this is what's going to happen. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is, you people are on the way to your coffins. <laughs> we are just starting to rise up and grow. And you know what? In 20, 30 years, I could be in your shoes and I will be laicizing priests that are just not good enough. There you go. So, Like you said, you saw Papa Francis doing his job and you're just like, hey, I can do better. I can do better. That's the I can do better. That's the goal. We should always encourage our next, our future generations to do better than the current ones. I expect sure. the next generation of priests, after I become a priest one day, God willing, to be better than me. Yes. And the same goes for, for the nuns. The same goes for the parents. I want the future's parents to be better than our current generation or even my generation uh, when we all end up as uh, fathers and mothers, because at the end of the day, you know, back to what they would tell us in school, we are the future and we are the ones that have to clean up the mess that the boomers and millennials are leaving us. So, yes, well, we've covered a lot in this podcast. We have Everything, vocations to everything we've covered it all we've covered and, and the not only have we covered it all but miracles have transpired i actually was able to not cry on camera not even camera like just yes. on, on on voice um it only took me two tries uh uh but yeah well, thank you, Rev, for being my first guest. I am really honored and blessed that you agreed to this. Oh, same here. Um, here. I love that this podcast is 58 minutes long and we did not find, like, we didn't have an awkward pause. And there, we talked about so many different things and we're so very open about the discussions. And I really appreciate you accepting to be in the first episode. Oh, yeah. No, anytime I'm, I'm honored, I, I will surely i will never reject an invitation thank you all right everyone thank you for listening i love you all and see you in the next episode of tea time with rosario bye guys <laughs>